You're listening to the It's Okay to Cry podcast with Bronte Spicer. Conversations on dissolving depression the gentle way and rebuilding our model for mental health. All right. Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Matt. How are you? Hey, how are you? I'm good, thanks. That's good. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today we wanted to talk about trauma and... You've had so much experience personally and also now professionally in working in this field with people with mental illness particularly and, yeah, for those those people who have experienced trauma. So um, we wanted to come together and speak more on this topic because <coughs> sometimes it can kind of get misconstrued and um, it, I think, yeah, it could be really helpful for us to kind of expand what trauma is expand on this topic and um, use this information to apply to our own practice of using the killer bee inquiries. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, you mentioned I've got a, had a long history of trauma. Um, you know, I experienced like severe PTSD for a, a long, a long time throughout my life, which resulted in heroin addiction and other addictions and other ways of actually coping. Which they were all coping strategies to deal with the high levels of of trauma, of survival stress that was, was stuck in my body, in my nervous system. And, um, you know, like coming out the other side of that, it's been a, it's been a journey and it's still ongoing, you know, of meeting these things that, that I've spent my whole life trying to medicate. And then now, like, as you said, like I'm a trauma therapist, I work with people one-on-one. Um, I, I educate, I run trauma education courses and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Awesome. Oh, so thank you so much for being here. So can we just start off with what trauma is by that textbook definition? I got it up just before. Um, yeah. So if we go to the dictionary, trauma is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience, which we kind of touched on the fact that that is fairly vague. But if you could just shout to the rooftops your idea and, and how you have, what you've come to understand about trauma, what, what is that? What's your burning message about trauma? Yeah, so trauma is a huge topic and it can get quite complex if we go into the, the real depths of it. But like, I, I don't think it's, it's, it's not that important that everyone understands the complexities of it. I think, do you know, like the most important thing for me is for people to have a basic understanding, to be, to be trauma informed. No, and so trauma for a long time has been misunderstood. Um, so, you know, like the, the, the old sort of, um, like my dad's generation or that it's sort of like get over it, build a bridge, get over it, you know, shove down your feelings and just move on. Um, you know, like the war and all that sort of stuff, you know, like people coming back from those highly distressing experiences, like we didn't have an understanding of trauma. So we didn't know how to help those people. Um, so trauma is, is a lot of the time perceived as the event that happens to us. You know, like even the, even the dictionary, a, a deeply or distressing, a deeply distressing event or experience. And trauma is not what happens to us. This is a quote from Gabor Mate. Um, trauma is not what happens to us. It's what happens inside of us as a result of what happens to us. And I don't mean just our subjective experience. I mean, what happens in our nervous system, in our brain, you know, and also in our subjective reality. So in our mind, in our feelings, all of that sort of stuff. So an event happens to me. Something happens inside of me when that event happens. So what happens inside of me can be classed as trauma or not trauma. 
So I use this example a lot and I'll go into a, a bit of detail as to what I mean. So if I put my hand up in class and everyone knows these experiences, I put my hand up in class and ask a question and say I'm in grade one or something and everyone laughs and I get that survival response in the body that sort of, it feels like I've been kicked in the stomach. You know, I feel my posture go bad. I keel over. I, I don't feel well. <laughs> Basically I go into a really defensive sort of survival response within my body. So that is what happens on a somatic level. And so we've been trying to treat trauma, you know, via the cognitive mind, but trauma is not in the cognitive mind. It's actually in the felt sense within the body. And so in that moment, I experienced that survival response. What's happening in my brain, there's a part of the brain called the amygdala and that's our fight, flight, freeze response. So it's what, it's what fires the part of our brain that fires when a tiger is running at me. So there's perceived threat. So when that part of the brain fires, it sends a message to my organs and says, send the blood to the limbs. You know, we're going to have to run. So it it shuts down my digestion and all those other sorts of things. So I go into survival mode. My whole, my physiology goes into survival mode. So that's what happens in that moment. Even though there's no threat to my life, the system still perceives threat. So I go into shutdown you know, so there's fight, flight, freeze and fawn. So I might go into, into fight or flight. I need to get out of here, you know, or I need to fight these people who are laughing at me or I'll go into shutdown. Either of all of those are the same thing, really. They're just different ways of, that our survival mechanism can show up. And when that, that itself is not a trauma, that response, it becomes a trauma when that stays imprinted within our nervous system and never finds completion. So it's an... Um, it's a nervous system response that never finds completion in the moment. And so when it doesn't find completion, what will happen is say, for example, this is what can happen. The next time I go to put my hand up in class, I'll experience it. That same notch in the gut that says, don't do it. It's not safe. So I'll experience that same survival response. And these get stacked on top of each other, or it's like a balloon that builds up over time. And what happens is when this survival stress you know, it gets big enough in our system, you know, we can have a buildup of all these things that can result in full-blown PTSD. So does, does that, does that make sense? Oh, it makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, first what I'm hearing is that all the different systems, they all work together. So yeah. the neural, neural, like the brain, the physical, that felt sense, the sensations, they're all linked with the mind and, um, and the emotions as well, they all just tie in so yeah. so well in that one moment when everyone's laughing at you when you put your hand up. Yeah, yeah. And Everything kinda... goes into survival mode, you know, and everyone knows that experience. You know, everyone knows that experience of going into that, that survival panic, you know, some people experience, other people experience it as a full shutdown, powerlessness, mm. you know, shame, and that's what's called a sort of a dorsal vagal response, which is part of our parasympathetic nervous system. But... So they're all different ways that our survival pattern can show up, our survival response. And just like, you know, I'll explain something, like a, a, an experiment they did with rats. This is a really interesting experiment. So they would spray cherry blossom into the rat cage, so the scent of cherry blossom, pleasant smell, you know, um, nothing threatening about it. But at the same time, they would give them an electric shock. After a while, so they would just spray the cherry blossom and not give them the rats the electric shock, but the rats would still go into a trauma response as if they'd been shocked. Two generations later, those rats' great-great-grandchildren had that same trauma response to cherry blossom. 
So if we look at this, trauma is actually an adaptation of our survival instinct. It's an adaptation of our, of our survival physiology, you know? So we put our hand up in class and ask the question, that's the cherry blossom. It's a, it's a, um, you know, really harmless, non-threatening experience. And then everyone laughing is the electric shock that stays stuck in my system. And then my survival response says, no, that's a threat to my survival. Expressing myself is a threat to my survival. I put my hand up. That's a threat to my survival. So my system will say, no, don't go there. It's threatening. Mm-hmm. That survival adaptation. So trauma is not a disorder. It's an adaptation of our survival response. That adaptation is the trauma. And so we carry that imprint into these next situations. That, that's what all the new studies on trauma are saying trauma is. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually it. highly intelligent you know, and impersonal. You know? And it makes um, so much sense. And, yeah. you know, when you say that, well, there's no risk where people are just laughing at you with your hand up, but it's all, I can also see the other side. And that is the worst case scenario, especially when we're practicing the Killaby inquiries. We come to those worst case scenarios. And like the worst case scenarios are that everyone's laughing at me. And that, you know, that yeah. creates that, that the, the meaning behind that is that, you know, I, I'm either bad, wrong, yeah. Uh, yeah. alone, yeah. don't belong. That's right. So we create this unhealthy, deficient sense of self via that experience. And so we get this part of us, which is like a psychological identity, which is our narrative about who I am. And that becomes one of, you know, self-criticism, self-hatred, or, you know, I'm not good enough. I don't express it. I can't express myself. I can't talk, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. So we become really isolated within that. Then there's another dimension of our experience, which is the felt sense. I feel like on every level in my body, like I'm not good enough. You know, I feel like I hate myself. It's like, the, you know, we can feel it. So there's these two aspects. And in KI, it's like they get Velcroed together and give this feeling and idea of a false sense of self, you know. Um, and so this is how it's created. And, you know, I'll just touch on the difference between like the different kinds of trauma. So there's that acute trauma where something happens like that. You know, I'll, I'll, so we could put it this way, you know, acute trauma could be a bomb landing in my city. No, I go into that fight, flight, freeze response and that may not find completion. So two years later, I'm still shaking, you know, from, from that event, even though it's long over, it's, so the part of my brain, the hippocampus, which is the part of the brain that stores memories, what can happen is it doesn't do its job properly. So my body doesn't know that it was two years ago that the bomb dropped. My body thinks it's still happening now. Mm-hmm. That's why I may still have this this survival sort of response still happening. That can happen from acute trauma. Developmental trauma is ongoing bombs dropping. So say, you know, there's there's violence in the family home or even my needs not being met. You know, sort of like emotional neglect, dad's absent or something like that. That can be like so threatening for a child. And to so that ongoing nervous system response and developmental trauma is something that's much harder to resolve. It's been my experience, developmental trauma. Um, and so that adaptation really embeds itself right down to the core of who we are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we've got acute trauma and developmental trauma, and we can look at just really simply developmental trauma as ongoing acute traumas and the effect that has on the nervous system results in this really, really strong adaptation. 
Okay, good. Yeah. And complex trauma, how is that different to, is that different to developmental trauma? No, not really. It's sort of like, it's those layers, you know, complex PTSD is when there's far more than one event and they're, they're layered together. It becomes complex mm-hmm. sort of enmeshed together. And so what I'm hearing is that you basically don't have to, and I'm not discrediting or um, disrespecting any of these experiences, but you don't have to have been through war or have no. been raped or to have had sexual abuse, you know, or physical or no. something. So, you know, I think we have this idea that, um, that something really, really bad has to have happened in my life in order to be traumatized. I, I know in my in my on my journey, I've looked back and thought, well, I've had a couple of bad things happen, but like, shouldn't I be over this? This is not such a big mm. deal, you know. But what I'm yeah. hearing from you is that just these these moments can build up into into something so big yeah. that it yeah. is trauma that we are carrying. Well, we end up with so much survival stress in our body that our system is no different to someone who isn't in war. You know, we are just as much stuck in hypervigilance and survival mode as if we're in war. Growing up in, a, in a, an environment that's sort of, you know, not ideal where there's, you know, violence or abuse or anything like that is, is definitely trauma or sexual abuse. They're, they're high levels of trauma, you know. Um, but growing up in a family household where there's just subtle resentment, you know, going on, um, where there's tension in the household continuously um, or where, you know, our needs aren't met. Because if there's tension in the household, but we're understood, you know, we're being met and it's being talked about with us and all that sort of stuff, that will prevent trauma. You know, it can prevent the trauma. But, you know, it's sort of like our system starts to adapt to being in survival mode. And just from the example of putting our hand up in class, you know, we don't have to be in a life-threatening situation for our body to go into survival mode. Yeah. You know, it can, we can start to adapt to that. And so when these... When these um, sensations in the body when these nervous system responses don't find completion what that results in is a build-up of survival stress within the body and we end up on hypervigilance as if we're in war as if someone's shooting at us um and so like the event really has nothing to do with it um it's what happens inside of our nervous system as a result that's what trauma is and um, you know, I heard, I heard one, one somatic experiencing practitioner and she's a nervous system specialist who said the worst trauma she's seen um, is in people growing up whose parents demanded perfection. Mm. You no, know, nothing they did was ever good enough. It's like an assault on the nervous system continuously. You know? um, and that's the, yeah, torture continuously, you know. And so every time they're not good enough, they're going into that dorsal vagal shame, powerlessness response. Mm. continuously being sort of forced into that, you know, it's a, it's a full on, you know, what can happen into someone's nervous system from those little things that are almost encouraged by, a, you know, a lot of cultures. Yeah. Um, sure. yeah. Yeah. And this is what's exciting about this conversation. It sounds like the conversation around trauma is changing. So we understand, you know, yeah. what it actually is and, and not to dismiss what may have happened in your life and, and how you've actually arrived at where you are. Yeah, this isn't minimising anything, you know. Um, we're, like, we're, we're not minimising the big stuff as well. That's definitely trauma. I've had huge stuff happen, you know, stuff that people would say that is absolutely catastrophic, um, you know, I, and I've had smaller stuff too. 
So I, I can't actually minimize either one because I've experienced them both. You know, my PTSD was built on both of those experiences. And I think my understanding, my mapping out of the territory comes a lot from my experience, even though I've been educated on, on this stuff also. Yeah, great. Yeah. So I just want to get clear, um, would you say if, let's just go to that original experience that had your body respond in in that, you know, fight or flight response and yeah. you're, you're talking about when the trauma doesn't complete, would we call yeah. that unresolved trauma? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we, I, I suppose we could. Um, you know, I, I would just say it's, it's a, it hasn't found completion. It's undigested. You know, it's still within the nervous system. It's, it's, it's gotten stuck. Okay. And so how do we hold the space for, I mean, obviously you and I kind of know how to hold it. And for those people who are um, learning how to practice KI are getting a handle over how to hold that trauma so it can kind of move through the body and it doesn't get stuck in the body. But what would you say to, I don't know, people who are starting out and just starting to get to this point to be able to support that processing of of yeah. the body's response, what would you? Be- beautiful question. And I think we, we grow in our capacity to stay present. Um, we grow in our capacity to be our own resource, you know, over time. And so I would say start with something small, you know, as you start to grow in your capacity to be with your experience, to hold your experience, to hold it in presence, um, you know, then what happens is like there's, there's an intelligence in the body that will start giving you more things that you're ready to hold. Um, so it's a process. And we, like as I said, we grow in our capacity to hold these things. You know, if we're trying to, you know, if we've got a phobia of water, it's not helpful to just be pushed into the water. You know, not, for our nervous, not from a nervous system perspective anyway. No, because um, we will go straight back into that survival mode and feel like we're drowning. No, so what we want to do is dip our toe in, you know, become, become really, really sensitive to the water and understand, oh, it's not actually a threat. No, so we start to become more attuned to what's happening inside of ourselves and what happens, you know, as a natural result is things start to move through by themselves. Does that answer your question? Oh, it does, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. And on a really practical note, um, what I do is I just go straight to the body, straight to the sensations and just, yeah, yeah, be with the sensations. Yeah, yeah, and you've grown in your capacity to get to that point, you know. Not everyone can go straight to the body. It's for some people, especially with the high degrees of trauma, the body is a terrifying place, you know, and so we need to sort of have our hand held. And slowly, you know, come into these sort of sensations, dip our toe in, come back out, dip our toe in until we start to see that it's, it's not a threat. You know, it's okay. I'm safe now. Um, no, and I think like if anyone's going to take anything away from this, who has trauma, it's if we can really grok and understand like on a deep level that these are just our survival responses, it can take so much shame out of it. Oh, this is just part of my physiology. You know, I've adapted and I've had to adapt. This is just part of an adaptation. Your trauma is not a disorder. It's an adaptation. No, so I've adapted. These parts of me are just adaptations. It's not who I am. No, I'm not this broken person with all this trauma. It's, no, and so we can start to see it more objectively rather than be completely identified, you know, infused with it. 
for sure. Like you failed if you if you traumatized. It's yeah, really yeah. quite clever. It's a it's such a different light on it and a different approach to think. Yeah. Oh, my body's so incredible. It's adapted in this way, so yeah. you're safe in some form. Yeah, and so there's some people saying as well, you know, all experience is trauma because um, it leaves an imprint. That That's not – I don't agree with that completely either. I think trauma only happens when it's that survival imprint gets stuck. No, um, like a, we, we don't have trauma from healthy attachment, and, you know, and, and things like that. <laughs> yeah, even though that still leaves an imprint, you know, it's more of a healthy imprint. Um, yeah, you know, and so what, what trauma can show up as sort of garden variety, anxiety, hanging out in the background, something always feels not right or unsafe. Um, it can show up as, as, you know, falling into states of depression. It can show up as shut down, going into powerlessness, or it can show up as what it was like for me, just to give some, some context on, on, you know, my trauma is I was in such a heightened state of anxiety continuously that I needed to use heroin to bring myself out of that. And I remember the first time I got clean. So the, the last time I got clean, um, I was in, in rehab in the transitional house and they asked me to wash a dish and I got so overwhelmed, you know, just from the idea of washing a dish. I, I completely dissociated out of my experience. The panic in the body was so strong. I actually re- can remember the image looking at the dish and just not knowing what to do, just in complete overwhelm, just from that one little thing. And so I was it's in such high levels of PTSD that anything would tip my nervous system over, over the edge. And I remember my mind begging me, you've got to go use now just over a dish. <laughs> and so that little thing, you know, would just overwhelm my system because I had so much stress mm-hmm. stuck in my system, you know, and that, that would be extreme PTSD, mm-hmm. high level, extreme complex development, you name it, you know, all yeah. of it, um, extreme dissociation or all of it. Um, you know, but then there's just that some people experience like something, something never feels right. You know, um, you know, that's still a sim- symptomatic of, of trauma. No. Yeah. Mm, amazing. And yeah. what I've what I can see in your journey is the more that you've turned toward what you what the mind wanted to run from, the more you're able to just definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, look, like it, it's been a process of learning to hold sensation. You know, I spent my whole life running from this stress within my system, and like like no wonder because I didn't know how to be with it. You know, um, so, you know, like we, we can turn towards it, but we also want to do that in a very safe and regulated way. You know, um, we want to do it with the, with the help of a facilitator um, to start with, um, you know, all of that sort of stuff because it's got its own organic process um, because I can end up turning towards this sensation and not know how to actually be with it and then get sort of stuck you know, going around in circles, but, you know, so like it, it can take a bit of skill and a bit of practice, but just as like a, a sort of anyone listening, something to just start to practice with is learn regulation techniques, educate yourself on the nervous system, how to bring yourself out of a sympathetic nervous system response. And, you know, like see a facilitator, like see Bronte, if you're watching this, you know, work with, work with her. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Matt, for sharing everything that you know. I know it's such a you're such you're so passionate about this this topic. So, and um, you've just got such a wide berth of experience, both both personally and professionally. So, it's always a pleasure to just yeah hear what you've got to say and have you explain it in such a relatable way. Yeah, yeah, and I think everyone can relate to 
to this to a certain degree, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's part of the human experience. Absolutely. And what a relief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing wrong here. Yeah. We're just being human. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. We'll see Thanks, you again. Thanks, Ronnie. All right. See ya.